Thank you for tuning in to the Highest Praise Sunday Sermon. For more information about Highest Praise Church, upcoming events, and other helpful resources, please visit highestpraisechurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Sherwood Lancaster. Uh, We're in a study on um, preparation. And really what we're doing right now is want to make sure you're prepared to miss some things. And so we've been talking about the preparation of events. We've, we've talked about the, the marriage supper of the land, which takes place um, after the rapture. When we all get to heaven. We just sung about it. And, and then we start, we, we, I taught you on the rapture about what it is. It's when um, we are forcefully taken out of the way. Well, we got to be forcefully taken out of the way because the devil's hard-headed. Sometimes you just, some, sometimes God's just got to take us and to snatch us, Right? And so that's what's going to happen um, when the trump of God sounds. And so the next, the next great event to take place on the prophetic counter of God is the great catching away of the saints. First Thessalonians chapter 4. And he's going to take us out of here. And there's a reason why. Everything is about the why. Everything is about the why. I, I, I was sharing the pastor this week. He's struggling. I mean, there's a lot of pastors struggling. A lot of churches struggling. A lot of Christians struggling in the world today. And sometimes you just need to be a word of encouragement and because uh, sometimes it'll flip on us. But I was just reminding him, you know, he was telling me what all he was doing. And, and the what is not what keeps us here. It's the why that keeps us doing what God's called us to do. And, uh, and so there's a why in why God's doing what he's doing. There's a why that we, we teach on this. And um, we, 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 God has placed it in his word that the events is getting ready to take place. And so the next event that's going to take place is the rapture of the church. Revelation chapter number 4, verse 1 and 2. John had a vision, and God spoke to him. He was on the island of Patmos, and he put him on a, an island. And God knew that um, no matter what the enemy did, he would still uh, record the, the words of, of Almighty God, which he did. And the words that God spoke to him, he said, he, he actually called him in the spirit. He said, come up here. And it's very important to come up here. It's a picture of the church being raptured up. Um, the book of Revelation, which I'm going to go through here uh, in just a moment, is... Uh, it's, it's, it's full of symbolism. There's a lot of symbols in there. And there's a lot of things that it's open for our interpretation. We've got to pray and, and pray for discernment, to discern what it is that the, that the Word of God is saying. How I many knows the Bible is full of that, that we read the Word, and you got, the Holy Spirit needs to, to, to discern and power, and the Holy Spirit needs to come upon us and explain to us exactly what it is that He is, he is saying. Uh, the book of Revelation is full of that because you see all kinds of symbols. We'll see four horses here in a few minutes. There's, there, there are symbols. But then sometimes we know when the plain sense of the scripture makes perfect sense, we seek no other sense. And that's the terminology you use a lot of time when, you, when, you, when you're studying out prophecy in the Bible. You don't have to look and try to figure it out. You take, you take the word of God for what it, what it means and what it says. And so the book of Revelation is like that. And so I just wrote down and I just wanted today to get up here and talk about the events of the tribulation. And I want to write down in, in pretty much an order. All things. I'm sure I'm not going to hit everything that would be here at the 4 o'clock, but I want to hit most of the things just so we can understand what it is that's getting ready to take place in the earth today. Um, the judgment of God. The judgment of God has not been experienced by anybody under the sound of my voice. Everything we're going through right now, the, the millions of, of, of souls that have died because of this virus is not the judgment of God. World War I wasn't the judgment of God. World War II wasn't the judgment of God. And Adolf Hitler wasn't the judgment of God. Saddam is saying, whatever, you can just go through and try to think of whatever kind of detestable things that has happened. Um, bad hurricanes, earthquakes, volcanoes, you name it, whatever event has taken place, 9-11, you just go on and on and on. It's, it's not the judgment of God. It's the result of sin. 
man is full of sin. It's because of the result of the fall. It's a result of the fall of Adam and Eve. And because of that, sin is running rampant. And there's a devil loose. And he's running rampant in the earth today. But there will come a season. There will come a season that the judgment of God will come upon this planet. And, you, and the events I'm getting ready to share to you are, is the judgment of God. And you're going to see a, a, a wide difference in what's going to happen on this earth. The earth that we're in right now. Um, then compared to what's happened right now, you're going to see, oh, this, this is not the judgment of God. This is just a result of sin, a sinful world. It's also the result of people turning their back on God and turning their back on the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ, who came and offered up, offered up peace. He didn't come to give peace. He came to offer peace. He came to give us the way out, which is through him. And he says there's no way to heaven by which man should be saved except for the name of Jesus. He is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life right here on this planet. And so he kind of, and anyone who rejects that will face the judgment of God. And so anyone who goes through, people say, well, I can't believe that God would send people to hell. I can't believe that God would do this to um, allow people to go send people through judgment. God doesn't send, people choose to. Every person who enters hell, you went there because that was your choice. That was your decision. If you don't have a choice, then you won't go there. And so, uh, so everything that's going to come upon this planet and the people who's going to go through it are going to do so because of their choice. And their choice is to say no to the truth and to believe a lie. My, my assignment as your pastor is to do everything underneath my God-given ability that God has given me to make sure you don't believe a lie. And the best way to get someone to not believe a lie is to expose them to the truth. And then you got a decision to make. The way you bind the enemy, we'll get to this in a second. I got time. I didn't have time to first serve. So. Um, the way you bind the enemy, everybody wants to bind the enemy. I bind the enemy. I bind the enemy. I walk in my house and bind the enemy. I bind the enemy over my family. Bind the enemy over my finances. I'm going to bind them over my mind. Bind and bind and bind You ain't got a clue what you're talking about. You're just binding, binding, binding. And it's very simple. The way you bind the enemy is you expose the truth. You expose the truth because you expose the lie. When the devil says you got to die and cannot live, you say, that's a lie, devil. That your children are, are, are just rambunches. They're, they're, just, they're just full of rebellion. You say, that's a lie, devil. That's a lie. If you believe a lie, then you're bound. And the only way a lie can be loosed is by the truth. The world is, in a, is, is bound right now through the powers of Satan because the church is doing a bad job of telling the truth. I'm preaching now. And we're tiptoeing around everything because uh, I, I had, a, had to make a phone call. I think they got it on video somehow or another this week and let Dr. Fillinggood know he could not come today. He was a little upset. He, I'm, I had to, I've been canceling with him most of the week, but he'll be okay. He's not here this morning. But, um, but sometimes we, we, we need to bind the enemy by exposing the truth. When you're walking in truth, then you won't walk in rebellion. You won't walk in fear. You won't walk in doubt. You won't walk in unbelief. You'll walk in what thus saith the Lord. And everything that the enemy tries to attach you with won't stick because the truth sets you free. I said the truth sets you free. And so when we quit playing games and quit trying to pack our churches and trying to make it all look good on TV and, and, and social media and everything else and get back to speaking the truth. 
um, then we're going to start seeing some acceleration. We're, we're seeing it now. We're going to start seeing acceleration like we've never, ever seen before in the body of Christ. And then people are going to get saved the right way. They're getting saved because they love Jesus. And they want to go where Jesus is, and that is heaven. So anyway, that's, um, that's my introduction. So the first thing that John did in, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, um, the, the, the Bible says he was, he was taken up in heaven. How many know that whenever God changes your perspective from things, you see things in a different way? If you're always looking up on things, it's not, it, it looks like it's got you. But whenever God lifts you up over something, you say, well, wait a minute. It, wasn't, it ain't so big. It ain't so bad. And so... Um, um, Mike Tyson said everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the mouth. <clears throat> That's what he said. <laughs> that means all plans are all, baby. It's just, let's go. The church is getting hit in the mouth. The, 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 this nation's getting hit in the mouth. And that means whatever plan you think you have, you just let go and you go after everything you have. You go after the things of God with everything. With a reckless abandon, you go after it. And believing God can do it because your perspective has changed. God called John up and he's told him, look, I want to show you some things. So John is from a perspective of heaven. He's looking down on a vision that God, a prophetic vision that God gave him of these events that's going to take place on the earth. And so the first event that's going to take over is the rapture of the church because the judgment of God is getting ready to hit this planet. Whenever that happens, um, Daniel 9.27 says that once the rapture of the church takes place, let me just throw this in, complete chaos like, like the world has never, ever seen before is going to hit this planet. It's going to hit this planet, and it's just going to cause the economy to collapse. It's going to cause unrest. It's going to cause just, um, just complete pandemonium like never before. Tens and hope, I hope hundreds and millions of people is going to be vanished in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Just like that. It's going to just, just completely rock. Not only this nation, it's going to rock the entire world. Kingdoms are going to collapse. Governments are going to collapse. The dollar, where it stands right now, will collapse. Everything will collapse. And they're going to need to be a one-world currency. They're going to need to be some stability. It's going to need someone to come on the scene to try to stabilize everything. And there's a guy already... Chosen by the, by the devil himself, and he's going to come on the scene. We know him as the Antichrist. He's got a name. He's from somewhere, and he'll show up, and he'll, 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 be, he'll have political savvy. He'll have religious savvy. He'll know exactly what to say and how to say it and calm the waters, so to speak. And he's going to, there's going to be a lot of unrest going on immediately after the rapture of church. That's what happens whenever chaos begins to take place. Evil men begin to start jockeying for position. And that's going to take place, and... Um, and he's going to, kick, he's going to uh, make a peace treaty with Israel. The Bible says this in Daniel 9, 27, that once he, Israel is going to sign a peace treaty with this, this, this world dictator. And that's going to be the sign. It's not the rapture of the church. It's when that is signed. It's going to happen pretty quick. I don't know if it's going to take days or weeks. It could even take a month. But it could take, it could, it could take the same day. I don't know. But it's going to happen. There's a lot of things that's supposed to, that needs to be in place. I'm here to just tell you right now is in place. There's nothing else needs to happen. Everything's in place. If the events I'm going to show you today, and I'm talking about right now, if Jesus comes back before I finish this message, then everything that the world needs to, to occupy this and make happen what it is I'm teaching you today is already in order. I couldn't say that 30 years ago. You couldn't say it 50 years ago, but you can say it today. 
And so once that happens, then bam, you know exactly from that peace treaty being signed that you got seven years. Seven years to that day when that ink hits that paper before it dries, you can look up in the eastern sky and you're going to see, behold, a white horse and he who's sitting upon it is going to be called faithful and true. It's going to be Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, and he's coming back. And we're coming back with him because seven years before that, he took us out of here. So we're going to go through all this kind of stuff. So the first thing that John saw is in Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. If you want to study out the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 6, all the way through 19, talks about the tribulation period. And then um, the remainder of 19, 20, and 21, 22 talks about uh, the, um, the millennium reign and then the, the new heaven and new earth. But we'll get with that next couple of weeks. But the white horse. So he sees the white horse. Here's a symbol again. So here's John 2,000 years ago. He don't know any kind of armored tanks. He don't know anything about an airplane. don't know anything about a car. don't know anything about a, you know, a big old ship or anything at all. So he just sees things. He tries to relate it to how he sees and he does see a white horse, and he sees a white horse. It's symbolic to him, but the white horse represents a conqueror. It represents the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to come, and he's going to set up, go ahead and set up a one-world government. He's going to set up a one-world currency. He's going to start setting up um, the diplomacy to try to run now this one-world order because kingdoms and, and nations and currencies, everything is collapsing all over the place because this cataclysmic event has taken place called the disappearing of the saints. And so we're going to see this guy come on. That's what the white horse represents. The red horse represents war, represents war. And so war is going to take place because just because obviously he's trying to set up his kingdom and take his place, so are other kings on the earth. There's, you know, there, there's always somebody else that wants what you're after. And so that's going to be the same thing that's happening. Even through chaos, they're going to be jockeying for position. All this is going to happen. And so because of war, world war, world war is going to just be all over the place. And then John said he saw a black horse, and that black horse represents famine and inflation. You have to understand if the whole world is at war, it's going to, it's going to create inflation and famine. Well, inflation is going to come because of famine. Whenever things start getting scarce, now things, the price of everything is shooting up because it's hard to get. And all these things are taking place because, because of this war that's being raged because of the events that's taking place. Um, called the rapture of the church. The next thing he saw here, he saw a pale horse, and that pale horse talks about death, death. Wherever you see a conqueror, wherever you see war, wherever you see famine, inflation, you're going to see death, and death is going to hit this planet like never before. Matter of fact, the Bible says that because of the death of this pale horse that he saw here, uh, bringing this death, 25% of all the population is going to be, is going to be dead just off of these four events that's going to take place. There's 8 billion people, over 8 billion people on the earth right now. And so if you just do your math, if that would happen today, and hopefully there's a lot of people going to be raptured out of here. But just using those figures, you're looking at anywhere from 1.5 billion to 2 billion people killed in these four stages. Just one stage here of kings trying to set up and get their rightful place right here on this planet. While this stuff is happening here, you're going to see things um, that, that just things that, you know, you... All the money you've got is not going to be worth anything because if you can't get bread, if you can't feed your family, if you can't, you know, if you, if you can't make ends meet, it's not going to matter. So what used to be value uh, and is not going to have value anymore and what really don't have that much value is going to have a lot of value. Um, we used to always be told, you know, that a, 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 a piece of bread could get you a whole bag of gold because the person with a bag of gold wants the bread more than they want the gold because the gold is worthless. These are the kind of things that's happening because of all the events that's taking place. 
During these things that take place, we're going to see because now we get to Revelation. We, we're at Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, then 3, then 5 and 6, and 7 and 8. You see how it goes in order. Then we, we come across Revelation chapter number 9 and 11. Revelation 6, verses 9 and 11. And it talks about people um, being martyred. It's talking about people getting martyred. And it's very important. We see people that had died because of famine and, and because of, uh, of, of, of war and, and the effects of war. But now we see people actually getting martyred. People are getting killed on purpose. They're getting killed on purpose because at the same time as this Antichrist is trying to build up the modern-day Babylonian world empire, which has always been trying to do since Genesis chapter number 6, Tower of Babel, man has, mankind without God has always wanted to start a, 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 an order against God, against the things of God. And so nothing will change. And so here they are again, trying to, 6,000 years later, still trying to build this one world order. And while that's happening with war and famine and pestilence, everything is taking place all over the place. We see that people are getting martyred. If you're being martyred, and the Bible says they were martyred, people are getting martyred. That's, that means they're dying because of their faith. They're dying because of their faith. This is not the church. The church age is over. As soon as the trump of God sounds, the church age is over. The church is out of here. These people that's now getting saved during the tribulation period is not the church. They're believers, but they're not the church. They're believers, and they're getting assassinated because of their belief. And the Bible says, well, then how are they getting, how are they, I just want to bring that up, that Revelation 6, 9, 11 has nothing, it's not the church, it's martyrs. It's people who were not saved, and so they missed the rapture, but they came to know Christ during the tribulation, and now they're dying because of it. And so now we see that chapter number 7 comes up, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4, we see there's 144,000 comes on the scene. These 144,000, this is not symbolism. This is not a symbol. It's not like a white horse, red horse, red horse, black horse, pale horse. This is an actual 12,000 people from each tribe of Israel. There's 12 tribes of Israel. So 12,000 people out of each tribe, there's 12 tribes equals 144,000. These are Jews. These are people who did not, these are not Messianic Jews who God decided to leave them here. They came to to know the gospel and accept Jesus in such a way. And God has raised them up to be powerful evangelists. So now they're powerful evangelists. And they're going throughout the world and they're preaching the gospel. They're preaching the gospel. But if they're preaching the gospel and the world is just going crazy, then why are these people getting martyred who's coming to know Jesus? Because Revelation chapter 17 talks about the great harlot. If you, some of these terminology you've heard before, I'm giving you some meaning to them. And the word harlot there is, a lot of people don't know what it is. The great harlot is the religious system of its day. The great harlot is the, is the anti-Jesus only, if I can use that terminology, I hate to, but Jesus is the only way, use that terminology, uh, church. In other words, the world universal church says they believe there's a way that seems right unto man, and God don't know everything. There's some things we know. The world church today, the universal church, says it's okay for um, homosexuals to, be, uh, to, to, to function in the church. A man can marry a man, a woman can marry a woman, and all these things can happen. The universal church is the one who believes in multiple identities. You can, be a, you can identify as a girl one day, a boy next day, and you know, all the stuff that we're dealing with right now. These are things that's going on in the earth today. We get that the world is going to accept that kind of teaching. The problem 
is this is the so-called church that is accepting it. It's being infiltrated in it. And because of that system, they want something like coexist. We see words like coexist. And under the terminology of coexist, that means that Christianity is put in the same box as Hinduism, as Buddhism, as New Age movement, as Wicca, as Islam. It's all together. It's all on the same order. So we all get to coexist together. Let me stop here and say this because I can feel it, that we're not against, in highest praise, I'm not against a homosexual no more. I'm worried about a person with identity crisis. I'm not, I'm not against a, the Muslim no more than I'm against the Buddhist. I'm here to tell you that I'm against your sin, but I love you. And I believe that you can be set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. But I'm here to tell you there's only one truth, and that truth is Jesus Christ. And what's happening in the world today, that this, this spirit of harlotry is rushing throughout the church. If we're not here to tell the truth, then everybody's going to believe the lie. And if you believe the lie, you're going to love the lie, and you're going to die and be separated from God because of the lie. But if we can tell them the truth, then they got a decision to make. And I just believe that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, and we can accept them free. Do we accept everybody? Yes. Do I accept your sin? No. No more do I accept a man and a woman living together that is not married. I don't accept that either. That's called fornication. I don't accept a man who's married to a woman and a woman who's married to a man and they're cheating on each other. That's called adultery. We don't accept that either. We also don't accept men marrying men and women marrying women. We don't accept that. It's called sin. All, everything is called sin. We don't put it in a category. Sin is sin. I'm here to preach against sin and say yes to the things of God. The world church says there is no sin do whatever you want to do if it feels good do it but truth says no and the universal church is built up on a bunch of so called ministers and people of the gospel who don't have a backbone that want to stand up and say, I know I might upset you and I might make you mad and you might leave my church, but I'm here to tell you that the gospel doesn't say you are the, there's a way that seems right to man. That, therefore, is destruction, but to God, it's eternal life that'll come to a person. God is holy. And so we have to trust in God and not trust man. Everywhere in the Bible, people got in trouble whenever... Whenever they begin to listen to man, when Moses is up on the, on the mountain of God and, and, and seeking the face of God up there for the commandments of God, Aaron started doing what the world wanted to do, what the people around him wanted to do. And said, so let's just get na naked and have an orgy and start worshiping the God of the Egyptians. And that's exactly what he did. And God was getting ready to open up the whole earth and completely consume them all. But there was a preacher. I said, there was a preacher. He's been up on the mountain of God seeking the face of God. And while the weak need preachers was listening to the people, he come down and say, wait just a minute. You get ready to send yourself and everybody around you to hell. But I'm here to tell you, if you repent right now, that God will save you and your household and he'll make everything back straight. God is looking for a preacher this morning that'll stand up in a pulpit and say, thus saith the Lord, and not care what people think and people are hungry for it. People are thirsty for it. People want the truth of God in their life because people are bound up and they want to be set free. They want to be set free. They want to be set free. I can't imagine being bound up and can't be free. Can't find someone to set us free. 
And all they do is hear the keys of, 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 of freedom dingling on our religious belts. It's hanging there, but we're not using them. But I'm telling you, there's a radical bunch out there that's getting ready to reach out and snatch them keys off of these religious belts. And it's called the Word of Jesus Christ. Amen. I need to calm down. No, you don't. I just said that because... So the universal church is called the harlot. It's not the governmental, government system of this world. It's a corrupt church. It's a weak-kneed, powder-put church that just sells coffee and poems instead of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Men come in the same way they leave. But the real church, people come in and they encounter Jesus. Well, if we don't preach that they're going to get rich and don't preach, that everything's going to be okay, then, then they, they won't come. Well, honey, if they come so they can get rich and come because everything's going to get okay, they're not going to stay. Because not everybody's going to get rich. And every day's not going to be okay. You come because you're preaching Jesus. And he'll never leave them nor forsake them. They come, let them get them to fall in love with Jesus, and no matter, no matter how much money in their pocket, they're going to love Jesus. No matter how good things are, they're going to love Jesus. When they're having good days, they're going to love Jesus. When they're having bad days, they're going to love Jesus because we're preaching the love of Jesus. I'm trying to tell you about the next one. And so when all this stuff is happening, this great, not only is this governmental Babylonian world system this government system being built against resistance of, of some other kings in the world and kingdoms in the world. You got this huge universal church. And let me go ahead and tell you this. The universal church is alive and well right now. I expect, that's why you hear me say stuff like, I expect the world, act like the world. I expect the world to accept the things that the world is accepting. What I don't accept is that the church, someone who claims to be a church under the name of Jesus Christ accepting the same thing that the world is. And it's sucking in and people are having to make a choice. That's why the hot's getting hotter and the cold's getting colder. And so this system now, by the time the rapture church takes place, now the only thing left is a universal church is just here, that it's going to be such a pull that the Antichrist is going to literally give in to it. And what I mean by that is, is that that's how the temple's going to be rebuilt on the Temple Mount, right beside the Muslim mosque. Something that's unheard of right now, but that peace treaty that Daniel 9.27 talks about is going to be the sign of somehow or another the heirs who don't believe any Jew has ever set foot on the Temple Mount, which they have, but they're going to believe, and going to, that's what they believe, and they're going to allow it to be built. He's going to allow that to be built because then temple sacrifice is going to start being done again because the world system, the religious system says, let them do it. They're going to let the... The, the Hindus worship their, their, their cows and, and, and everything else. <laughs> the Buddhists worship, you know, their, their gods and, and Wicca with theirs and New Age philosophies and everything, just astrology, just everything for everybody is going to be in there and all this stuff is taking place. While all this stuff is taking place, don't forget that God raised up 144,000, 12,000 each tribe and they're preaching the gospel. They're getting to preaching the gospel to the point that people love Jesus even to their death. And they're preaching so now while this is going on, now we start getting into the judgment of God that's taking place unless already two billion people have died. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 6, verse 12 and 17, that a great earthquake is going to come. And people will call for the rocks to fall on them and curse him who sits upon the throne is what the Bible says. 
A great earthquake like never before is going to hit. The next thing the Bible says in Revelation chapter 8, verse 7, that one-third of trees and grass and vegetation will be burned up or destroyed by hail fire. We know what hailstone looks like and, and with ice coming down with hail, but, but this is hail fire coming down, burning up and consuming one out of every three tree, one out of every vegetation crop is being destroyed. A great star, the Bible calls it uh, a wormwood, wormwood is the name of it. The star wormwood is actually, that word means bitter. It must be some kind of meteor or something that's going to hit the, the earth and it's going to turn fresh water into bitter waters. The Bible says here in Revelation chapter 8 that one-third of all fresh water is going to be turned bitter. Millions of people are going to die just because of that, because the fresh water supply is going to be, is going to be sucked out. And then we get to Revelation chapter 9, verse 1 and 12, you begin to see that four bound angels are going to be released. The reason why that's important, Revelation 9 and 13, bound demons are released, is because we all deal with demons on a day-to-day -day basis. They're real. Spirits of anger, spirits of depression, spirits of homosexuality, spirits of fornication, spirits of adultery. Spirits of death, spirits of murder, spirits of suicide, spirits of addiction. It's going on and on and on. Spirits of hypocrisy, spirits of envy. I mean, it's not only outside the church, it's inside. Spirits of religion. The spirit behind the Babylonian religious system of the great harlot. Why is she called the great harlot? Because she's selling you something that you're not willing to pay. It's going to cost you more than you thought it was going to cost you. She's a harlot. That's what harlots do. And so... These things that we're dealing with today are bad, are bad demons. But these jokers are so bad, they're not even released in the earth today. They're bound. These are bound. This is what about, they're bound demons. And because of the judgment of God, he's going to release these bound demons. And they're going to be released on the earth to wreak havoc. The Bible says that whenever he releases these four demons, he's going to tell them, you can torment the people, but you can't kill them. And because of their torment, they're going to cry out for God to die, and death cannot be found. They're going to be tormented because the judgment of God has come upon this planet because this world has rejected him as Lord and his son as Savior. It's happening. It's happening. And then the Bible talks about, in, in Revelations uh, 13 through 16, it talks about a 200 million man army. I've studied this for over 30 years, and we, we, we can put it on China. China is the only actual army that can, nation that can field a 200-million-man army. They got over 2 billion people, so they should have better do it. In the 1960s, they said they could amount a 200-million-man army. Um, nowadays, if all the Arab nations come together, they could mount a 200-million-man army. So you can see gatherings and groups of people that can come, even outside of one nation, can come together with, and make a 200-million-man army. Or it could just be something that John saw and said it looks as if it's a 200 million man army. But it's demons that these four demons that are over and they're now completely have free reign over the earth. Like a 200 million man army. Again, that's over to interpretation. Either way, if it's a literal 200 million man army coming from Asia, if it's a, two, a literal 200 million man army coming from the Middle East, or if it's a 200 million man army symbolizing a bunch of demonic imps that's coming down to conquer the world, all of them are being fueled by demonic power. And the Bible says here, when you begin to read that in Revelation chapter 9, that people are going to be killed because of it. 
People are going to be killed. People are going to die. One third of the people on the planet are going to be killed because of them. A lot of them, I'll tell you that, a lot of them they believe is just, if you think of it, these are demons. These are real demons just manifesting themselves. People are going to die in sheer horror because of their, their memories showing up. Now, these are not the, these are not the believers dying. The, 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 the harlot, the world church, the universal church is killing them. These are people who has who, who rejected God and continue to reject God. And these are the ones who are supposed to be on the devil's side, yet they're dying in sheer horror of what's going on. And so now we begin to get to Revelation chapter number 9 at the end of it. And I'm going to stop and pause here because we're getting to the end, believe it or not, of the first three and a half years. Only three and a half years has taken place. And here are what people like to say, well, the church, you know, we've got to go through some of this. When we go through the first three, it's not going to be that bad. I don't know about it. Let me tell you how bad the first three and a half years is. 75% of the population is killed during the first three and a half years. 75% of what population? The population that was not raptured. 75%. You don't have to, you don't have to be a calculus major to figure this out. Everything we see, the, one th- the, the, the quarter, the one-third, and everything that's happened because of the judgment God placed upon this earth. Everyone that was left here on this planet because you did not say yes to Jesus whenever you had a time, an opportunity here during the dispensation of grace, during the church time, 75% of those folks are not even going to make it out of the first three and a half years, and they say the worst is getting ready to come. Out of that 75%, 25%, I figured up, is three martyrdom. That means 25% of the 75% of people dead are people who wised up. And because of the preaching of the 144,000, telling them, do not fall for this junk. Do not fall for this world church. Do not fall for you do, do not do it. And they're going to accept you because of this just passionate, just earth-shaking ministry of these 144,000 going to be preaching, preaching the gospel. And they're going to accept and they're going to lose their life because of it. They will not renounce Jesus Christ as their Savior, even though hell is breaking loose and other people are. And out of that 75%, 25% of them is going to be killed also. There's something else going on. Because once you get to Revelation chapter number 13, and then, uh, well, actually Revelation chapter number 11, before we get to 13, Revelation chapter number 11, we see that the, right at the end of the first three and a half years, and before that second three and a half years begun, which is the tribulation and the great tribulation, the Bible talks about in Revelation chapter number um, 11, verse 3 through 14, there's two guys has been walking around the earth for the last three and a half years. The people who are here don't really know who they are, but we know who they are. One of them's name is Elijah, and the other name is Enoch. And they're not just two, two good old boys that mama side of naming two biblical names. These are actually the biblical Elijah and the biblical Enoch. Well, how do you know that? Well, because, well, several reasons, but one of them is, is that the Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it's appointed once to man to die. Neither one of these jerkers died. We know Elijah, he was carried up in a whirlwind as a, in a chariot a fire. He didn't die. He's still in the same mortal body that he had. Enoch, the Bible says, was and was not, for the Lord took him. For he had this testimony that he walked with God. He walked with God so close that God says, I got to have you up here. It's a picture of the church. I'm going to preach that too. Might do it next week. But they're coming back. And what would it, let's go back a little bit. Well, how'd they get here? I don't know. But it's my sermon, so here's my take at it. 
Whenever Jesus came and picked up the church, he dropped some fellas off. I'm serious. You got a better reason. I mean, he's dropping them off. If he can pick up millions and millions, I believe he got enough sense to drop off too, don't you? He dropped, and things I'm telling you, how does 144,000, where do they get their um, where do they get their zeal from? Because two Old Testament saints, prophets, are back on the scene. So you got to understand, Enoch represents the Gentiles. Well, he's not a Gentile. Well, sure he is. He was born before Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was Israel. He's a Gentile. Elijah is a Jew because he was born afterwards. See, God did that before. He used, he used Paul to speak to the Gentiles and Peter to speak to the Jews. So now you've got these two together, and neither one of them has ever died, so they've got to die. God's not a man. He should lie. They've got to die. Y'all do realize they have to die. I know they've been in heaven now for thousands of years, but they've got to die. You can't die in heaven. So Houston, we've got a problem. Send them back to earth. But not without a purpose. See, there was a purpose why God shook them up and took them up there. So you can get to 144,000 ready. I don't know, but I wish, I don't, I don't want to be here, but I want to, I hope there's a, hope there's a camera we can just look at. Be right with you. Let me check this. This is the part where Elijah, he's, he's in there pumping up the 144,000. They're getting ready to go out there and, and do it. But that's what Elijah's going to do. He's going to, that's where they, that's where they get the encouragement from. Also, Elijah, I can teach you this. Elijah is also, I told you the temple is going to be built up on the Temple Mount. He's going to be orchestrating that. His boy's going to be busy. But the main thing they're doing is they're a thorn in the world church side, that harlot. They're preaching a false religion, and they thought we're all out of the way. They don't know what happened and how it happened. They heard something, about a, they heard something in seminary, something about a rapture, but they just can't believe that. That means they believe in the power of God. But you got these two jokers walking around here, and people are getting saved so fast they can't kill them fast as he can get them saved. And the Bible says, the Bible says in Revelation chapter number 11, verse 9 and 10. Well, let's do, I got a little bit more time. Let's go to verse 7. Revelation 11, verse 7. And when they finished their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. Who? Elijah and Enoch, these two prophets, these two witnesses. And their dead bodies will lie in the streets of the great city, Jerusalem, which, is spiritually, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt, where the Lord our God was crucified. We know that's Jerusalem. And then those from the people, those from people, after they're dead, peoples from every tribe, tongue, and nation will see their dead bodies for three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put in the graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over the fact and make merry over that fact and send gifts one to another because these two prophets who tormented those who dwell on the earth are now dead. 75% of the population has already been destroyed. Great earthquakes. Fire the size of hailstones has hit this planet. Fresh water has turned bitter, but they're still so angry and hate God so much that the two prophets he sent to the earth to still save their soul, they have now killed because God allowed them to kill them. And they're so happy that CNN is reporting live from Jerusalem 
the two witnesses are still dead. And for three and a half days, they're going to continue to monitor the fact that these two brothers are dead. These two nuisance people that just will not allow us just to have our way, but they're dead now. They're going to report it. You know, years ago when I first started this, we had to sit there and try to figure out. You know, back in the day we started off with, I remember when, I, when, 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 when the first house on the street got cable TV. I remember Ted Turner started CNN. That meant you got, I mean, it's all over the place now. Before that, you had to get up here at 6 o'clock in the morning and get your news. Wait at 6 o'clock in the evening to get your news. And then if you want to stay at 11 o'clock, you got the news. And you only got it from ABC, NBC, or CBS. And that was it. But the Bible says they're going to watch them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We didn't get that until CNN cable news came on. Oh, we get it. But then we had to wait. Well, if it happens, everybody's going to see them get killed. That means you all got to get off of work and run home and watch it. Because that's where our TVs are. Guess what? You're all sitting on your TVs right now. It's in your pocketbook. Some of it's in your hand. The alarm's going to go off. It's going to say, the two nuisance witnesses are dead. I'm going to watch that video. Well, there they are. And for three days, they're going to be reporting that these guys are dead. And they're going to be celebrating. People's going to be going on Amazon and sending gifts to each other. I'm going to send you this gift because these jokers are dead. Here you go. Be merry. Be happy. But one day they're going to be reporting. And behind there's going to be these two decaying corpse bodies, Elijah and Enoch. And while the camera is facing on the reporter that is reporting, he's going to have a funny look on his face. And the reporter ain't going to know what that funny look is. He's going to be like, man, I'm live here. What's wrong with you? He's going to be like. <laughs> and behind them, these two Elijah and Enoch, who was laying there dead for three and a half days, They're going to get up. And all the world is going to be watching. Hey, Mr. News Broadcaster, look behind you. And why the cameras still, come on, isn't God good? Isn't this stuff good? And why the cameras are rolling. I don't know if they're going to get the interview. I don't know if they're going to get the wave. I don't know if they're going to go buy my ice cream. I don't know what, how much time they got. But the Bible says that while the world is watching, their feet's going to get that high off the ground. And then that high off the ground. And they're going to go, and they're going to go, and they're going to go. And the cameras that was on them, that was watched them watching, falling in the, um, in the ground or, or on the road, they're going to watch them as it goes up and pan up and pan up and pan up and pan up until they're completely out of sight. We serve a powerful God. We serve a mighty God. Even though chaos has come over the earth, even though chaos is happening, even though people are jetting, God is still in complete control. Now here's the news. Now the second three and a half years begins. Now things are really going to get bad. And that's what the Bible teaches, and the Bible tells us that. And now that all these things has happened, and, and we, we, we've seen this, and now these guys are gone, and now we see that the first half of tribulation ends, and the second half now is worse. There's actually angels going to be released, and actually release woes, and say that now, oh, woe is to the world, because now the, the great tribulation is now coming. At this time, I'm, I'm getting ready to close, at, at this time, the Antichrist now is, has had it. He's tired of being ruled by this harlot, by this universal world church. 
Because understand, he's really thirsty for power. He wants everybody to listen to him. And so he attacks somehow or another this world church and begins to bring her down to her knees. He tells this, now that he's in control, the Babylonian government of this world, the one world order, is now gaining more power than the world church, the universal church, and he's gaining power over it. And in the power struggle of him trying to take power away from this, this one world religion, and the reason why he has to take power is because he don't want to worship Buddha anymore. He don't want to worship the false Jehovah God that they made up. They don't want to worship Muslims anymore. They don't want to worship Hindus anymore. They want everybody to worship him. And somehow or another that during the battle here, the Bible says by the time you get back to Revelation 13, he's going to get shot. They're going to shoot him in the head. He's going to die. And now this man who's a real man is being used by the devil is now going to be possessed by Satan himself. Satan himself. The reason why the second three and a half years is going to be so powerful because Satan himself is now possessing people. I have seen people possessed. I have cast devils out of people possessed. I've seen demonic possessed people. I've seen them in them. I've seen them out of it. It happens. But I've never one time encountered Satan himself. And pray I never do. But according to the Bible, there's three times that Satan would actually not send one of his delegated authority demons to possess somebody. He would possess them themselves. The first one was the serpent in the garden. The second was Judas. And the third one is this guy. And now all hell's going to break loose. Now, that, now he's now, now Satan has now possessed this, this vessel. And now he goes and he goes to the temple that was built for God and sacrifices the Old Testament sacrificial system back to God. He's going to walk into the holy place, the most holy place of God. He's going to sit down. He's going to call himself to be God. You're not going to worship anybody else. The, the great harlot is dead. There is no world religious system. There's only one religion, and that's me, and I'm God. You're going to worship me. Remember, that's all the devil ever wants. He wants to worship that belongs to God. Let me say it again. The same devil that's possessing this Antichrist is the same devil that has sent his delegated authority to try to take away worship that belongs to God. And he'll never stop. He is always, he'll go down into the pits of hell trying to get the worship that belongs only to God. He come to Jesus whenever Jesus was in the garden. He says, hey, I'll give you the whole kingdom if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, I shall worship nobody. I shall worship the Lord, him, God, and, on, and him only shall we serve. What is the devil after? He, want, he says, I'll give you everything. Just worship me. The devil wants the worship that is belongs to God. And that's why we struggle. That's why you come to church. You don't know if you want to worship or not. That's why on Tuesday you thought you praise. The devil's always trying to suck out of you worship that belongs to God. Don't let him do it. Yeah. Worship God either way. Praise him anyway. Let it forever be on your lips, the worship and praise of Almighty God. And he's going to sit up there. And now the Antichrist is now doing it now. And now, now this one world government, this one world government that the, that the world is possessed with, men in, in powerful positions right now all over the world that under, undergirt, undergirt. You believe there's conspiracies and, 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 and conspirators and everything else? Oh, I believe most of it is completely crazy. But you can believe this. There are people in place right now that are ready to put together a one world currency, to put together a one world order and make this thing happen. They've been wanting my entire lifetime and they're ready for it to happen and the devil's behind it getting ready because he wants to worship that belongs only to God and he's getting ready he thinks he's got it but then the other there's 10 other kings three of them are going to be killed during this whole situation but then you're going to have other kings in this world they're going to come together and they're going to give one more battle against this Satan possessed incarnate man 
who's trying to take over the world, and a big battle is going to ensue. It's called the Battle of Armageddon. Sitting there waiting and, and, and hiding in the, in the hills and the rocks is God's chosen people, Israel. And they're caught in the crosshairs. And they see what's getting ready to happen. They see this abomination that's making things desolate that Daniel talked about, sitting in the temple of God, causing himself to be God. And they're crying out, saying, you're not God. We need God. We know Jehovah's God, and you're not him. We're looking for our Messiah. And they're going to start calling on a Messiah as the world's nations begin to converge together to make war against the Antichrist and do battle against him because they're so hungry and thirsty. Regardless of the fact that one-third of waters are bitter, regardless of the fact that fire is falling down from heaven, regardless of the fact that the whole earthquake is shaken like people have never seen before, people are dying because of famine and pestilence, things are happening. But they're so possessed, they're so hungry for for, the, for their own self-righteousness and they're so angry against God that they're literally going to just, just go against each other. And while the Israelites or Jews are crying out for God and their Messiah, the Bible says in Revelation 19 that the skies are going to open up. And John said, I saw a white horse. It's Jesus. And there's a bunch of people behind him. You know who it is? It's you. And you, 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 and everybody. And we're coming back. And the whole world's going to look up. They're getting ready to fight and do a battle. And they're going to be so in tune with the battle. They're trying to, they're, they're trying to battle the, the Antichrist and his kingdom is fighting against the, the Asia and, and, and Africa and parts of Europe and, and different parts of the world has not unified yet with this one Babylonian government to take over. They're fighting because whoever wins this battle is going to control the world. And they look up and the one who the earth is in the palm of his hand is coming back through the eastern sky. And when they see him, they're going to turn on each other. And without us having a fire shot, they're going to destroy each other. They're going to kill each other. And just fall dead right there. And God's going to, Jesus is going to come down on his horse. And when he gets off, the Bible says that his foot is going to hit the Mount of Olives. And when it does, the earth is going to split. And when the Mount of Olives split, the Bible says that fresh, cool water is going to come out of that mountain. And it's going to go down to Kendron Valley. It's going to go into the Dead Sea. And it's going to make it live. Every Thing that it touches is going to live because he that is faithful and he that is true and he that is in control of all things is going to take consumed property of all things. And every tongue that rises up against us is going to be condemned and thrown into hell. We're going to get off our horses. I'm going to finally get to get off my horse, my high horse. And we're going to take it. And we're going to live. And we're going to rule with him forever and ever and ever and ever. Do you believe it? You say, well, preacher, I just don't know. I just don't know. Why would a loving God, why would a loving God send somebody to hell? God doesn't send anybody to hell. You choose to go to hell. Why would God, God allow people to go through what it is that I've just taught you today? You choose to do it. Don't choose. Choose you to stay who you're going to serve. Today. 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 But he's a loving God. I just don't see a loving God. And, and church is free. The church I go to, they, I'm here in preaching. He's a loving God. He's a loving God. Let me tell you something. He loves us so much. 
that he judged the wicked so the righteous can get our just reward. What kind of God would he be if he did not ever judge the righteous? Come on, we teach our kids there's consequences. There's consequences of saying no to God and yes to the devil. Don't do it. The last one I wanted to, the last one I put on here is that I told him to put up here is the fact that it says, I put the Cinderella story. The Cinderella story. I don't know, I'll be honest with you. It's years and years ago, I, I found some handwritten notes and I put it on there, I preached somewhere that we're the real Cinderella story. And I thought that'd be a good last slide. See, right now we're a punchline of jokes. People ain't really taking us serious. Christians aren't really taking each other serious. But Revelation 19 says when we come back, the world will see us for who we really are. It's going to be too late, but they're going to see us for who we are. We're the redeemed. We're the restored. We're the ones that wasn't by His grace. If it wasn't by His mercy. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians says, such are some of us, we've been washed. We've been sanctified. We've been justified. Everybody in here, I'm talking to someone right now, you're a Cinderella story. What's Cinderella? What's Cinderella? I've had a daughter. She loves Cinderella. I love Cinderella. That's a pretty cool story. They had her locked up. Had her locked up. Nobody knew who she was until the prince came. And the prince says, you're, you've been in rags, you've been used, you've been abused, but you just did whatever I asked you to do. But because of that, I'm going to put this glass slipper on your foot, and it's going to fit, and you're going to live with me forever. Jesus is our prince. He's our king. And he's coming back to coordinate his church and the whole world is going to say who we are. Everybody stand. Why'd you do that, preacher? Well, first of all, because nobody else will. And number two, we've tried everything else. The first and thought should be the end in mind. Your first and thought should be the end in mind. What does that mean? Before you do something, you better realize how this end, how it's going to end. Imagine how many families still be together. You imagine how many addicts wouldn't be if before they drank the first beverage or smoked the first joint or met the first person somewhere they weren't supposed to commit fornication against their family if they thought about right before they got there you know the end of what this might cost me is not worth the moment of pleasure I'm going to get and so with the end in mind the first and thought wins out how about making your first a thought today with this end in mind there's a reason why God put this in the scriptures not so we can go through it but so that we can miss it. See, everything I just raised you today is not for you. It's for the devil. It's for 
all his demonic imps. But because so many people reject Jesus and accept him, then you accept the punishment that is supposed to be for the devil. Don't do it. You don't have to do it. You want to know why? Because Jesus is the price paid for our sins. Every head bowed. See, it's not time for the church now to, okay, let's just hold hands and sing kumbaya now until Jesus comes. But the pastor says everything's ready. Now we got work to do. The field is white. Man, it's white. It's white. Just when you think you know why it's white. It's ready for harvest. Go ye therefore and find laborers to labor for the harvest. There's some that's not going to miss that won't work, that won't want to miss it. It's going to miss it because of our harvest. Some of you understand my voice, you're heading to the judgment of God, but you're not going to, you're not going to meet it because you want to accept Christ today because Jesus is your price paid. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to focus on the fact that Jesus is the price paid. Sing it, Lou. never seen before because Jesus has paid the price for you all you have to do is accept him today if you accept him today then everything that I've taught you today has no power over you come on
to pray. Everybody repeat after me. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for being my price paid for my sin. I'm a sinner and I've committed sins. But today, Lord, I'm asking you to come into my heart. Forgive me. Live there forever. Now, Lord, I thank you for delivering me from the wrath to come. Now, God, I'm asking you to use me to deliver others also from the wrath to come. Give me assignments, Lord. Put me in front of people, Lord. Give me the ability, Lord, to tell others about how good you are so they too can not go through the wrath that is to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We hope you enjoyed this sermon from our weekend experience. If you want to partner with us as we see lives changed and God's kingdom advanced, you can donate by texting any amount to 84321 or visiting our website, highestpraisechurch.com. If you want to connect with our local church and stay up to date with events, you can fill out a digital connect card, which is also on our website. We'll see you soon.